Do you think hiring is broken? So, can you tell me more? What do you mean by when when you say hiring is broken? Now, the reason why I ask this question to Ruchi Anand, the senior director of talent, learning, and engagement solutions at LinkedIn, was to understand what hiring was looking like in twenty twenty three. Because it was a bit of a mixed bag in the year that just passed. See, as much as LinkedIn is used as the world's biggest professional network to connect potential job seekers to their employers, it's also one which causes a lot of stress and burden to the HR leaders and hiring managers, thanks to the number of irrelevant resumes that companies receive almost on a daily basis when they put out a job posting. All of this, funnily enough. Can lead to discovering some fascinating insights about hiring today. At LinkedIn, Ruchi works with Talent Solutions, which is what organizations use to post paid job openings, and actually is one of the main areas of revenue for the org. In the fiscal year ending March 2022, LinkedIn posted a total revenue of 13.8 billion dollars. Out of that, more than six billion dollars, almost half their revenue. came from talent solutions so i thought it'd be great to get her on board to discuss the state of hiring in 2023 and the fact that she's been with the organization for almost a decade didn't hurt either now we at cost to company for the past 19 episodes have spoken about hiring in some shape or form but what were some of the things that we missed what do the numbers tell us and more importantly what do the numbers hide Buckle up for the twentieth episode of Cost to Company, a special edition of the Ken's weekly podcast on careers and workplaces. This one's going to be an insight bomb, so get your notepads out and understand why Ruchi thinks we're going through the great mismatch, among other things. We had a long conversation, and these are the edited excerpts. I'm your host, Shiva. What have been some gradual shifts that you've been seeing via your platform as well in terms of the hiring space? Like, you know, was it is there a shift from people going from smaller to bigger companies, from bigger to smaller? Is that is that trend something that's being seen? So I would say instead of talking about a shift from large to small companies, what shifts we've really been seeing is one is talent that's required, digital talent that's required across industries, non-IT as well, right? so there have definitely been shifts which are across industries people have been pivoting mm. to different industries and not necessarily staying in the same industry mm. because that is something that as a even if you look at it and you know you spoke about in the in the beginning as well the shift to skills first also mm. the shift to skills first hiring approach is really around where organizations are not just going by traditional methods of hiring when i say traditional what that means is that only looking at specific like must haves in the in the job description which says that it should be uh, with this bachelor's degree with this master's degree it's potential over pedigree if 
recruiters are able to start looking for people with those skills first rather than just saying that you know we need degrees and and let me give you some examples we've seen that when we go with a skills first approach mm-hmm. the talent pool opens up by 12x in india which globally is about 9.4 but it expands and similarly it also for if we look for younger let's say gen z talent or you look at talent without bachelor degrees mm. that opens up at about 16.5x mm. the talent pool really kind of grows so that that means that for what is in it for organizations organizations are able to access a wider pool of talent and essentially what we are ending up doing is we are driving more equitable outcomes uh, and not just limiting it to um, you know specific like very traditional ways of hiring When you seek skills and not pedigree that opens up the number of potential hires for the job by 16.5 times pedigree is a signaling device and is used to say that this person has worked hard with discipline to get this coveted degree skills are different they indicate potential they're more relevant but much harder to filter for The other aspect that we've been seeing is that there is a big focus on internal mobility and internal mobility really is what is where you are investing in your employees you are giving them upskilling opportunities learning opportunities and when you do that your your people are um, I mean data shows us that you know there 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 are 10% more chances of them to stay back um in fact um, the average tenure can actually go up from 2.4 years to about 5.9 years in an organization if you've invested uh, you're investing in your employees giving them not just learning opportunities but also then jobs where they can uh, grow and excel so uh, i mean today for people what's important is that how can i use all this you know i need opportunities where i can apply my knowledge right and i and i feel that i'm i'm growing that way talent pools become larger yes but that doesn't really mean that the quality becomes better too so instead of giving preposterous packages to new hires you would want to upskill them and make them grow within the organization internally mobilize them this makes all the more sense in a situation like a hiring freeze counterintuitively but given the economic situation understandably 43% business leaders in india are already cutting back on employee learning and development budgets and opportunities according to the report that ruchi was quoting and ruchi also told me something interesting about skills we have seen that between 2015 and 2021 uh, the skills shift in the jobs the same jobs and you started with jobs are changing even when jobs are not <laughs> you know you're not changing your jobs is because 29% of our skills have shifted in india globally it's 25% and let me explain that means that for any particular role whatever top 10 skills were, would be listed out for for any any job let's say in hr or as a hr business partner or as a data analyst the same role the top 10 skills uh, would completely change by 20 have changed by 2021 by about 30% in some jobs it's about 40% as well and which means that the top 10 either there are four new skills out of those um, out of those 10 that are required or there are six new skills out of that top 10 in that list uh, some are completely new somehow some that were on top have moved down and you know so on and so forth so what that means is that even if we are in the same role for the last few years there is a lot that we need to do to even learn to gain mastery of skill 
I call this approach, uh, I'm just coining a new term here, side skilling. And why was this happening? It's, it's evolved, right? It's because how we are working has has changed. So it's it's more about that. How do I get much better with that? Now, for example, for anyone in a customer facing role with so much of virtual skills around how do you have the right kind of customer conversations to make sure your customers are engaged, are um, you know you're giving them the right information using even kind of running very productive meetings to make sure you're getting more out of out of that that time that little time that you window you get uh, with with people. So I think some of those skills are also like. Could be softer aspects, but actually become very, very important. Stakeholder management. You're all, everyone is in a remote environment. A manager is in some other place. You're not meeting your manager. You're not meeting your teams. How are you really? So if team management was, or as a, as a people manager, team, the aspects of team management and hybrid work have actually changed so much that how do you lead those teams? How do you ensure your team, uh, you're still creating a psychologically safe space for your team to thrive? There are so many aspects that, you know, you need to learn. Side skilling is different from upskilling because you aren't learning something that's completely unrelated to what you do. You're adapting your peripheral skills to what the needs of your role are in the current market. See, skills are important, but very difficult to filter. And unlike degrees, they're not stagnant. The same job may require more skills or different skills. And while they're getting softer, they're also getting more difficult to pin down. Seamlessly presenting slides on Zoom is a skill, but how do you quantify or prove that? This is a problem that we're going to be seeing more of in the coming years. And speaking of the future, how are the Gen Z doing at work? Hi there, I'm Snegdha from the Ken's podcast. And I'm here to tell you about Daybreak a brand new podcast from the Kent's newsroom that I host. Every week on Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday, I will tell you a business story that is current, significant and most importantly, interesting. You'll find Daybreak on all podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple. Please do give it a listen and share your feedback with me at daybreak at Thank you for hearing me out and now back to the episode. If you're a regular listener of Cost to Company, you'd remember that we did an episode on the wants of the Gen Z at the workplace. We found out that they wanted flexibility, a sense of community, and free lunches. I asked Ruchi what their reports had to say. So I think there are two aspects to you know what you asked. One is on Gen Z, the other is this whole flexibility. Um, firstly, on, on Gen Z, I would say that Yes, when we looked at, our global data was showing us that when we looked at job changes, even in 2021, and even even now, we saw that uh, there was more movement that was happening um, with, with Gen Z, which also means that they are relatively... Um, less they're not risk averse right they are they are uh, open to kind of taking that challenge and i think it's it's fair it's they're early in their career to kind of explore what the, what they want um however when it comes to this this whole thing around flexible flexibility and you know what kind of jobs are there versus what people want i would say that's across the board um and uh, just to kind of give you some numbers if we look at the overall job postings in and i'm just talking talking about india in india about 11.6% of our total jobs 
were remote jobs that have been that have been advertised whereas 20.5 percent almost uh, you know almost double total applications were for remote so which means that there is definitely this great mismatch between what you know uh, the jobs that are being posted for remote versus the the hunger for remote has has is still very much there right people still want flexibility and this is not just for india we are seeing the same thing across the world in germany also 9% of the jobs uh, were were remote about uh, you know about 20% were applications were for remote similarly uk was also similar number in the us we see about 20% remote jobs and 50% applications for remote so so this this great reshuffle is almost like now a great mismatch in some sense because um, there is what uh, talent is looking for is they continuing to look for flexibility uh from that perspective where because they feel that yes uh, they do know that that's that continues to make them this they still productive at work the great mismatch the hunger for remote or flexible work hasn't died down in fact the demand for remote work is higher than its supply and this wasn't exclusive to the younger workforce covid comes in ebbs and flows but some things remain but honestly the situation isn't that simple and binary however our c suite research showed that 49% of uh leaders want people coming back um to offices so that there is definitely i think one aspect that we need to think about is that how flexibility and how do we define flexibility um it could it's it's not just about where and how they work but you know how how long they work what kind of even like a lot of things that companies are doing with flexibility where having no meeting days having yeah. lesser days you know all those various ways in which you are kind of giving employees the time and space to be able to you know still do their jobs but also have that time to be able to be be the owner of their time in some sense if i can use that and then the other things that we've seen that uh in terms of our global talent trends report we've seen that priorities for for talent is of course flexibility the other is uh, compensate apart from compensation it's really upskilling and job enhancement or career enhancement but within the org within the org uh, you know so how how does my employer invest in me in in upskilling so that is about so apart from compensation compensation being one the other three are flexibility upskilling and you know career advancement managers want people to come back workers want flexibility and they're finding ways to meet each other in the middle like no meeting days or quarterly offsites at office locations another way businesses are meeting employees needs for flexibility is by allowing them to take sabbaticals or career breaks we did an episode on sabbaticals too but i wanted some more pertinent and fresh perspectives especially since we didn't end up covering what career breaks looked like for women firstly i feel that even as a platform we we want to destigmatize a career break and that's why we have uh, we have put it as an option where you can go ahead and if you have a career break call it out on your platform you're on a break either as a parent or just as a you know fitness enthusiast or just you know you just want to go and exp- be an explorer you know whatever it may be yeah linkedin did release an option for career breaks as a section on your profile but does the hr of your next employer really care about it that remains to be seen but more importantly what was it like for women who were seeking flexibility was it only via career breaks 
very clearly our data has actually shown us uh, in April 2022 when we did one uh, consumer survey around career breaks and flexibility. We found that uh, the pandemic had made 8 in 10, which is almost 83% of working women realize that they want to work more flexibly. Moreover, 72% of working women in India are okay to reject roles that do not allow for flexible working. So firstly, let's start with that. And then what we are definitely saying is that women want to chart their own careers and, you know, their own journeys in a way. That if this is not happening, and yes, the pandemic has shown us that there is flexibility can offer so much more uh, to be able to balance both like be able to kind of still take care of my my children or my and my you know four children or my pets and and um, still be able to really do well uh, yes and there is of course um, the other positive aspect of as far as entrepreneurship is concerned yes we are seeing a lot more focus from a perspective of uh, of course there's still a long way to go from a funding perspective and 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 the environment there but still it's it's getting better no doubt and um and I think it goes back to that where um, how can organizations really create more opportunities for internal mobility in that way? Again, it goes back to that point that what do what do people seek? And similarly, we've also seen that there has been some data point where um, about uh, our, the global gender gap report actually said that uh, men are 42% more likely to be promoted into leadership roles yeah. than women, right? Yeah. So that, of course, is a deterrent. For sure. In fact, the data that you um, you actually spoke about, and we are talking about the falling ratios of uh, women in leadership. Globally, C-suite, we are seeing about 25%. Uh, but for India, it's as low as 15%. Um, it's 17% in leadership if we take VP, and but it's 15% in C-suite. So it has definitely come down and we organizations need to, we need to st- continue to focus uh, our efforts in terms of making sure that we have a lot of practices where we enable uh, flexible work, we we kind of hire for skills, we expand the talent pool, we continue to upskill and give them opportunities to grow. There is a positive that there are more women entrepreneurs, but at the same time, there is a, there is a big, big gap that we are seeing in the workplace. This was an interesting push and pull that was happening. Since many women weren't being promoted inside the organization, they were actively looking at pursuing entrepreneurship opportunities, or as some call it, self-hiring. Sure, correlation might not be causation, but it was an interesting trend nonetheless. Do you think hiring is broken? So, can you tell me more what do you mean by when, when you say hiring is broken? Like, you know, the JDs aren't well described. Like, you know, even on your platform itself, let's take your platform. Or in general, there's like a lack of clarity. So, you know, my, the way I, I'll probably kind of frame this is hiring is no longer linear. Mm. So earlier, uh, it's not as simple as there's a job description and, you know, a candidate sees it and will take that decision there and then to apply or not to apply. Mm. And why I say it's not linear is because from the time, and that's what the activity we see on the platform, it's not just that moment when a candidate like view to apply ratios when we see right it is it's a it's like again the full funnel approach from the time the candidate actually 
understands the brand will go and see the company page will go and see other people who are working there will will probably follow the company over a period of time will kind of engage with their content and you know so there are these multiple think of it like a, a, as a as a as a mesh of different things where you know it will not move from point a to point b but it will go within the circle with various dots it will go to various um, aspects and then you know the candidate will still think i want to apply or not apply and then probably go ahead and apply or they you know and they'll receive in mails they'll receive you know connection requests they'll receive so there's a lot of activity think about it for the talent also that's happening and similarly like you said for the organization also that's happening mm -hmm. so there is this uh, this whole aspect of firstly knowing that it's not linear anymore that there are various touch points when you want to companies who've got this right really know that they need to engage engage with their talent across the entire life cycle or you know the funnel if you may right you need to kind of build awareness build your what your does brand, it, brand right. yeah your brand your employer brand your talent brand and when when i see both these words employer brand and talent, brand, talent brand yeah I, so employer brand is what you know as an organization i put up talent brand is what my talent talk about me so you know it's also today in in on all social platforms or anywhere uh, you you have like on linkedin you'll have when employees themselves are sharing about the company mm. and through their voice through their posts through their articles and blogs that you know why I enjoy working here mm. that strengthens the brand because that's genuinely coming out of you know how that that shows the culture mm. right so the, all those aspects are very very important in terms of it's not as simple as how yes a job description has to be written well we also look at things aspect you know in terms of how do we reduce bias the what kind of words are used are they deterring women from applying you know all those things aspects also that go in which we kind of uh, look at at a platform level as well however there are all these various aspects to be able to to really work on i wouldn't say fix but to work continue to work on often we get to engrossed with mental frameworks and funnels to realize that most processes are random it's a beautiful mess that really can't be predicted companies are busy nailing the perfect job description and obsessing over view to apply ratios and what not but what really matters is a bit fuzzy consistent employer branding helps but having said that ruchi acknowledged that a lot of work remains to be done because more often than not the hiring process even in 2022 or 2023 leaves many people behind i think there's always room for us to kind of do better there and really reflect on uh, what are the blockers at the moment so it could be right from you know what we mentioned earlier about job descriptions not being inclusive enough uh, and we we see a large dropout at the application stage women do not apply to certain jobs because the way they are they, they just feel that they are not ready or they are not written right well skills first we spoke of also in terms of again going back and how is the organization really sharing stories of what are they doing uh, to to be able to make sure that environment is very inclusive is diverse there is a sense of belonging and that again comes back to the conversation we had around talent brand right how how are we sharing those uh, because today uh, talent does want to know and first find out from from the others that how is the experience there right what's the culture like uh, even in terms of the hiring process how can we have uh, ensuring there's a diverse panel even during um, Uh, during the interviews the other thing is that when we talk about non traditional hiring or skills first i think goes back to and it's for women or even even otherwise when we look at hiring from underserved communities do we have the patience to be able to 
give the time and space for uh, this talent to ramp now what tends to happen we've seen is that a lot of organizations have the right intent they do want to expand the talent pool they do want to bring in diverse workforce but when it comes to unfortunately when it comes to those uh, at really at that time when the hiring manager has to take a decision and you know they are faced with a lot of business pressure they really tend to go for people who will oh let's see who's going to hit the ground running faster you know we want we want someone who's who's been there done that has got that experience and that's how we that's where again we start seeing that you know women don't make the cut or you know even anyone else from a underserved community so we need to also as a as organizations have that you know if we, if you have that intent it will require work it will require a lot of time um, for us to be able to say that yes we need to put in our work and our patience to actually make this work so it's collective okay so here are some things that i learned from this episode uh, skills are great you should try side skilling but try garnering some proof of work so that you can give some weightage to these skills remote work is still in high demand so much so that the demand is actually higher than supply career breaks aren't the taboo that they used to be but more research needs to be done if employers really care about it a lot of women are resorting to self hiring if their current employers aren't flexible or aren't compensating well If you're an employer you have to focus on employer branding hiring isn't a linear process at least not what it used to be like and a lot remains to be achieved when it comes to making the process more inclusive not just for employers but for LinkedIn as a platform too that's it from this episode of cost to company ruchi is on LinkedIn of course uh, so am i tell us what you thought about the episode what you learned tag at the kenweb on twitter I'm at Shreves on Twitter. You'll hear from me very soon. And until then, stay tuned for the next one. This episode of Cost to Company was written, produced, and hosted by Shreevar Chotaria, with audio engineering by Rajiv C M. I'm your other host, Sneha, and you'll hear from me next Tuesday on Cost to Company. <laughs>